0: invite you now to open in your copy of god's word to the book of philippians chapter 4 and we're going to turn our attention this evening to verses 10 through 13 in philippians chapter 4 again the apostle paul is rising writing from prison to the church at philippi and as we have seen in previous chapters paul's burden as a pastor is to see the believers at philippi conduct themselves as citizens of heaven or to live in this world in a manner worthy of the gospel, as those whose citizenship is in heaven. And to that end, Paul has exhorted them to put on the mind of Christ and to press on heavenward towards Christ, because Christ has laid hold of them. And here in our passage this evening, by way of personal affirmation and testimony, the Apostle Paul provides an example of such Christ-centered living. This is, I trust, a rather familiar section of Scripture to many of you. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, let us first hear God's word. Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance, I have learned a secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But thus far, this reading in God's word. And let's once again join here to God and seek his uh, present help and abundant blessings that will last. Let's pray together. Lord our God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you as the God who has uh, set upon us your everlasting, unchangeable love, and we pray that in that great love you teach us as your children tonight that indeed godliness with contentment is a great gain, uh, both for this world and in the age to come, and we pray that by the instruction and encouragement and example of this passage, uh, you teach us afresh to fully lay hold of that uh, great gift of godliness with contentment, which you freely give to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would shepherd your people by your word uh, so that uh, you would be seen tonight as the great everlasting portion for all all of your people. And all of our boast and hope and satisfaction would be found uh, exclusively uh, in you. We ascribe glory to you and ask that you do these things, because we ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at first glance, our passage is, of course, about contentment. As the Puritan Thomas Watson says in his exposition of this verse, there is this art of divine contentment, or as the Puritan, another Puritan, Jeremiah Burrow says, there is the rare jewel of Christian contentment, a spiritual grace of being content in whatever lot God assigns us. But actually, the passage is much deeper than just the topic of contentment. Our passage tonight is actually about Christ. Uh, The Apostle Paul is demonstrating for the Philippians the practical outworking of what it means to live according to his own spiritual resolve expressed back in chapter 1, that to me, to live is Jesus Christ. Paul is wanting to show practical applications of what that looks like for the benefit of the Philippian believers, so that they may copy and imitate his own way of life, that indeed to him to live is Jesus Christ. And under that broader heading uh, falls this gift of contentment in whatever situation God places you in. Well, how does Christ exactly fill our passage? I want you to see three things uh, this evening. And ponder your mind once again on Christ, the great gain for the believer. First, I want you to see how Paul demonstrates in verse 10 how the mind of Christ is reciprocated in the matter of giving and receiving in the matter of serving and being served. And then secondly, Paul points us to the sheer power of satisfaction in Christ or sufficiency in Christ as the secret of being content. In any and every situation in life. That's verses 11 through 12. And then, thirdly, and finally, Paul affirms the grace of God that is at work in believers, uh, seen in the fact that there is strength through Christ being supplied to all those who are united to Him in this life. So, those three things I want you to see with me in our passage there is the mind of Christ, there is satisfaction in Christ, and there is strength through Christ. For believers, uh, three things which then underlie this matter of being content. Uh, first, then look with me in verse 10, where Paul mentions this matter of the gift that the Philippians had sent him. And Paul mentions that as he rejoices in the Lord, as that gift is a demonstration of the concern and love and care that the Philippian believers had shown him. And very likely, Paul has in mind some tangible physical, and even monetary gift that had been sent very likely through Epaphroditus, who was mentioned back in chapter 2. As chapter 2 verse 25 says, Epaphroditus was the messenger sent from the Philippian church in order to minister to Paul's need in prison. And here Paul rejoices in the Lord greatly because of what that gift through Epaphroditus represented. That the Philippians, as he says in verse 10, at length have revived their concern for him. That they had concern for Paul, and the Greek uh, for having concern for Paul uh, actually brings out the connection more powerfully because the Greek actually says, you uh, uh, thought for me. It's the verb to think. Have you concern for me? That yes, ESV translates as, actually in the Greek literally says, to think for me. And that's the same verb Paul has been emphasizing throughout this letter, to think, to have the mind of Christ, to think the same way among the believers. And this is concerning the mind of Christ being at work. And what Paul is saying here is that the Philippian believers have at last thought for me and have finally been given an opportunity to express that tangibly through this gift that they have sent me. And I rejoice greatly in the Lord to see that, the kind of thoughtfulness that is expressive of the mind of Christ towards a fellow saint here in prison as seen in this gift, in this act of service. And I rejoice greatly in the Lord to see that. And if you step back a little bit, Paul is also practicing in this verse what he's already preached. He's already told the believers to rejoice in the Lord. And here Paul himself is rejoicing in the Lord greatly, he says. And the source of this joy is the evidence of the mind of Christ at work in the Philippians, seeking to meet his needs. When he saw the mind of Christ being displayed towards him, he begins to rejoice in the Lord greatly. And he's not just rejoicing in the fact that he's been the minister to them, but rejoicing in the fact that he's been the recipient of the mind of Christ on the receiving end. And that is a reminder to us that it's just as much of a grace for the saints to be on the receiving end of the mind of Christ. And if you are honest with you, it's actually harder, harder, even harder to receive help or to be served sacrificially by another brother in your need. Saints, of course, seeking to be humble and selfless to put on the mind of Christ, sometimes even don't want to draw attention to them and to receive help. All they want to do is to give and to serve. It's much harder to accept from others and to give to others. And yet here Paul rejoices in the Lord, not for the gift itself, but for the mind of Christ, the love and care and concern shown through that gift. And he is rejoicing greatly in the Lord. It's never easy for any uh, true servant of Christ to accept things like personal gifts, even when they are in need of them. And but what Paul is showing us here is that it would actually be unchrist like of us if we made that a reason for closing our hearts to those who have made considerable sacrifices, financial or otherwise, in order to serve Christ in serving us. And here, that's the first thing Paul draws our attention to. He rejoices greatly because at last you thought for me and had been given opportunity and I've had the privilege of seeing the mind of Christ being displayed towards me, and in that I greatly rejoice. Now notice what Paul is again doing here. He's not rejoicing in the gift itself, but he's rejoicing in Christ, his mind being demonstrated and reciprocated and replicated in the life of the church. And Paul says, I greatly rejoice in the mind of Christ. And that leads us to the second section, verses 11 through 12. And secondly, Paul says that having seen the mind of Christ, then for me, The secret of being content, even in need, then lies in knowing the absolute satisfaction and sufficiency that is found in Christ. That for me, the secret of being content lies in Christ himself who never changes. Verse 11, Paul says, I'm saying this not that because I'm in need. I'm not rejoicing in the gift because I am in need. And he goes on to say because he's in Christ, I'm ultimately not in need because God is my shepherd, because Christ is his Lord. Therefore, as with the psalmist in Psalm 23, I know I shall have no want. Even when I have need physically, I know that he will supply every need according to his own glorious riches. Because I'm a saint, I know that I actually have no need. In fact, uh, even in situations of uh, want, I have known to be content. I have learned to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I also know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, Paul says, I've learned the secret, learned the secret of being uh, content, whether in plenty or in poverty, whether in abundance and in need. A couple of things Paul mentions here. Paul says contentment is something he's had to learn. As a believer, just like any other thing, any other virtue, he's had to learn it through experience. Contentment... Uh, To flip that thought is something that thoughts had to teach him through life experiences. And here Paul is talking about something that can just be conjured up from within. The word for contentment here is actually a borrowed word from Greek stoic philosophy. It's the same word as being self-sufficient. On the the, uh, surface, it's a very contradictory idea. Uh, Paul is saying, I've learned the secret of content. And the Greek Stoics could say the exact same thing and said, I have learned to be self-sufficient. But the way Stoicism tells people regarding how to be content is simply to be reconciled and resigned to circumstances by stiffening your upper lips and by seeking to increase the tolerance levels within you so that you are not rattled by anything you sort of seek to be stoic and seek to put on the air of contentment. Well, That's the Greek way and the world way of uh, coping with problems and uh, problem of discontentment. On the flip side, look what the world around us also tells us. The world we live in never uh, puts contentment as a virtue. In fact, it's the opposite. It tells us never to be content. Our culture is driven by a consumer appetite that constantly pumps out a yearning for something bigger, better, faster, shinier. Unless you acquire it, you will never be content. But by flip side, the secret that Paul puts forth in the gospel for true contentment uh, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the portion and Christ is a treasure. And being content for the believer is being positively content in something or in someone else it's not just resisting all the pains and pressures in situations not of your choosing and choosing to be content but it's positively finding contentment and satisfaction in the lord jesus christ and what ancient philosophy or modern consumerism can never supply christ gives to the human heart christ is your contentment only in jesus christ can you find contentment irrespective of circumstances and situations and your own conditions only christ represents true con- contentment for the saint and paul says true spiritual contentment therefore is something to be learned because Christ's value and worth need to be put to test in the uh, pressures of life our finding satisfaction and sufficiency in christ needs to be tested And we learn this often through hard and testing experiences. Contentment comes when Christ truly becomes your gain and you put to test the value of Jesus Christ against all that militate against your sense of peace and joy. Well, that's the secret. And Paul says, I've learned the secret because God has taught me the great worth of Christ through all the things that God has brought me into my life and that's the secret and that's what god does with every one of his children all the things that uh, i know uh, god has brought into your life some of the things that various members in this congregation have gone through very painful and sore and piercing providences uh, they have all tended towards teaching you to find in jesus christ all your satisfaction and sufficiency that to find in jesus christ to be content because indeed christ is your satisfaction and christ is sufficiency and that's the secret says that i've learned because god has taught me that christ is the great treasure and portion of believers the believer says with the psalmist from psalm 16 the lord is my chosen portion and my cup you hold my lot The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And because that's true, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in whatever situation. But how does God actually bring you to that state? Because this is not something natural. This is not something we can work up from within. This is a supernatural, spiritual uh, gift how does god actually bring each of you to that state of contentment in any and every situation well that's what he says in verse 13 it's not only the mind of christ there's not only satisfaction and sufficiency in christ but thirdly he says in verse 13 that there is strength supplied through christ that's promised to all believers now you Uh, know this very well that this is one of the most misquoted verses in the bible i can do all things through him who strengthens me and people have applied it in various situations but paul is not here talking about being able to dunk a basketball two feet higher than the normal rim or hitting a baseball out of the park 500 feet or something like that but rather what paul is getting at is the grace of god to help you through every trial. It's the grace of God that is made perfect in your weakness. It's the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ that strengthens, supplies all the strength you will need to find positively your satisfaction and sufficiency in Christ. It's, In other words, what every believer has been promised from God, it's what every believer united to Jesus Christ Uh, experience more of as you grow as believers. And so Paul says, because there is this strength that enables me to do all things, indeed I can face plenty, I can uh, face want, I know how to abound, I know how to be brought low. And just think of in that connection what uh, Agur uh, says in Proverbs chapter 30. Do you remember that section we studied, I think, two summers ago? And Agar says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with a food that is needful for me, but don't give me poverty, don't make me abound, don't make me low and face want, lest I be full and deny you, and says, who is the Lord? And lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. There a godly believer is rightfully, rightfully fearful and worried that rich would somehow uh, hinder him from serving God and being devoted to him. And poverty would cause him to profane the name of God by uh, stealing but that's not the believer in Jesus Christ in Christ the dilemma and the petition of agar has found its perfect answer in Christ the believer rather says whether in poverty or in plenty I've learned the secret of being content I can live Uh, for the glory of god it's almost irrelevant what i have and do not have because christ has become my all and i've learned to live in a way that glorifies god whether in plenty or in want because christ can enable me to live in poverty if called upon and christ can enable me to live in a godly manner in extraordinary wealth it's actually irrelevant because i have the strengthening grace of christ in any situation so you don't have to believers predetermine in your mind what God should or should not do with your life out of fear because you have the promise of God that will supply all the strength you need in any situation that God will bring you into because Christ can strengthen you. You don't have to be agger and be fearful of being brought low or being fearful of becoming rich because in Jesus Christ, you can indeed live uh, in a manner that glorifies Christ because indeed to you to live is Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ strengthens believer in any and every situation listen to what the puritan thomas watson says commenting on this verse and think, thinking about the strength promised to the believer thomas watson says a true christian grows in strength he grows still more rooted and settled The more the tree grows, the more it spreads its root in the earth. So a Christian who has the plant of the heavenly Jerusalem, the longer he grows, the more he incorporates into Christ and sucks spiritual juice and sap from Christ. He is strong to do duties to bear burdens and resist temptations. It's a good way to describe what it means to go from strength to strength. The pilgrim believer in psalm 84 so that's the secret paul says i have strength supplied through jesus christ and because of christ i have learned to be content and i can face anything in life because he will strengthen me to live for his glory contentment is a gift and contentment it can only be found in christ it can only be found in christ when if to you to live in is in this jesus christ and when you live like that he will give you his mind and you will rejoice whenever you see that mind at work it'll even make you humble to be willing to be served by others rejoicing in christ he will satisfy you with himself so that in a matter it matters little what your external situations are whether you will be able to be content in that because you, need, you know that you will be strengthened by Christ to face whatever situation. And you can live in a manner that glorifies God and enjoys him. And that's the promise given to every believer. Christ has promised to do that for you. Well, may he, uh, the pearl of great price, uh, even give us that rare jewel of contentment as we find contentment only in him may christ be your portion and your boast and may christ indeed strengthen you as you live uh, this life by the grace of god for his own glory well let's pray together